right, we are back to talk about the final stage of the Vuelta a Burgos. I'm here with Amy Lauren Jones. Amy? Hello. Hello. Nice sweater. No one can see it, but it's fabulous. Thanks. It's hand-knitted, not by me. I hasten to add, I do not knit. But um, yeah, by a wow. family member. Lauren, how are you today? That's adorable. I'm, I'm <laughs> really good. That was, wow, such an exciting four and a half kilometers. I can't wait to get into it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I said yesterday, we're going to see the final 3K, and you guys thought I was joking, but I wasn't joking. <laughs> I was bubbles. <laughs> I was shocked. <laughs> I said to my boyfriend, he's like, all right, so what do we install for today? And I'm like, oh, we're going to catch at least 10, 15 kilometers. That was my estimate. And then we turned it on. And he's like, um, is this a mistake? Is this just to the top of the climb or something? And I'm like, no, no, no. That's, that's mm-hmm. the end of the race. But to be fair, it was very exciting, four and a half kilometers. Yeah. It was. But also they were ahead of schedule. I was looking at the tweets. They were just the- too fast. Yeah, yeah, they were like 20 minutes ahead of the of the schedule. Because I thought we'd get like a, a, an hour-ish. But, well, lest we forget that the UCI stipulation is 45 minutes of live coverage for a, for a World Tour race. And... They're still live. Like Abby said, you can see the beautiful scenery of Burgos. I reckon that's right what's now. going on. They're, like, They're just going to we'll have like the scenery helicopter. shots for the next yeah. 25 minutes because <laughs> <laughs> they're supposed to have an hour of coverage. Just the interview every their... rider. <laughs> yeah. Someone comes across the line 15 minutes down. What did you think of the race? But there was there was only about I don't know twenty eight minutes of live coverage, uh, like yeah. less than five k, four point something, which was mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, clearly the race was really fast today. There was a selection of thirty riders that went on the first mountains classification points of the day, and that kind of got whittled down to by the time the coverage started, there was only four up there, which became three, which became two, which became one. And they were caught by a group of GC favorites, Anna Vanderbregen, Annemiek Van Vluten, Demi Vollering. And uh, Anna Vanderbregen took the stage win and the overall from Van Vluten. So we'll get into, I mean, other than us just ranting about live coverage and <laughs> only getting to see like four kilometers of racing. It was really exciting, the last four kilometers of racing. And we were talking in our little group chat about how we might have to uh, have... Omar Shapira and Demi Vollering arm wrestle for who is the MVP of the <laughs> domestiques because Demi Vollering's pull on that last climb was just amazing. And she she got dropped at one point, came back, still held on for third, which means she was third overall. And that was just a Im- really impressive ride from Demi Vollering. I think we expected exactly what we saw from Anna Vanderbregen and Anna Meek. But as far as Demi Vollering, we've kind of, builder as a someone who can climb but but as a sprinter and clearly she is an all-arounder with an an absolute laundry list of talents mm-hmm. she really is like the heir apparent to Anna van der Breggen's like spot in the in the sport really like she's got very similar characteristics um and yeah she showed today that she she blew away all of the people that we would have billed as like the top climbers to have been up there. Um, I was actually quite surprised to see, it's like, it's never surprising to see a race come down to just Anna and Anna Meek. 
but I was quite surprised at how few of the other top riders were actually there. So I think Cecilia Ludwig was one of the last ones to be dropped, but we never really saw anything of Cassiano Riodoma, Lisa Longo Borghini. Um, yeah, not a surprise, but kind of a surprise. No, you're right. Yeah, we, by the time the coverage started, I mean, I think it was flipping back and forth between the those three, four out front, um, Amanda Spratt, Clara Koppenberg, and Katrin Allerud. Katrin Allerud, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. It was flipping back and forth between them them and um, the group with Vandebregen and Vollering. But yeah, we didn't see anything from Kasia. We didn't see anything from uh, her. Her and Cecily got dropped together. I We have to say to, to Neve Fisher Black, first of all, thank you to her for doing doing audio diaries for the last four days but also holy crap what an amazing ride from a young rider who's just brand spanking new to the sport and has so much ahead of her i think sd works has long been this incredible team with all of these incredible riders on it and we we've kind of seen them not be as dominant with the emergence of trek segafredo and and other teams kind of stepping it up but They've got Neve Fisher Black, who's just an amazing climber and just so humble from her audio diaries and everything. And they've got Demi Vollering and maybe Anna Vanderbregen and Chantel Vanderbrook Black are, are retiring, but they are not going to be left wanting for talent on that team. And she she fought really hard until the end and still came in uh, like a minute and 40 seconds, I think, down from, from Vanderbregen and, and Anamique, which is, for her, I mean, she's just going to get better and better. So that was an, an incredible ride. Uh, should we hear from her really quick? Stage four, Welter Burgos. Um, we're finished. Done and dusted. Done, Welter Burgos. Four days of racing done. And... Currently, we're sitting in a team car, uh, travelling to our next destination. Um, to be confirmed. Yeah. <laughs> and we are surrounded by quite a lot of uh, wine and uh, leaders' jerseys. So, judging by that, I think we uh, had a pretty good day for the team. <laughs> um, Anna Shackley's here with me. What do, you, what do you think, Anna? Do you think we had a good day? Yeah, well, we got every single jersey and the team price. So yeah, and the team's class. Not so, too shabby. Yeah. Um, in terms of the race, uh, yeah, it was nice and sunny today, so a good day to be out on the bike, um, a nice big breakaway group, basically half the peloton went up the road and Anna Shackley found her way I in it. I made it into the break. And <laughs> so she also then made it into the slick break into yeah. the bottom of the climb. Yeah, so there was, ended up with four of us halfway up the climb together and then I got spat and suffered up the last 2k with seeing stars but we made it to the finish yeah and um then yeah a group of us I guess all the favorites were in the next group back so we came storming from behind I was hanging my job of the day was to just look at Anna van der Breggen's wheel so I hold Day, so that's what I did, just yeah, tried my best. Uh, Demi Vollering 
put an absolute monster turn in to to catch the final few girls up the road and yeah that was enough to to blow me quite a lot I think uh so then I like Anna Shackley just said suffered bit cross-eyed all the way to the top yeah, but the, so it was 12k claim the last 2k were around about 15 percent yeah and I think uh, for both of us it's our first time racing up such a long yeah climb so yeah I had no idea how to approach that effort and I'm not sure you did either Anna so I think uh, now we know <laughs> it hurts yeah it hurts a lot especially also when you're finishing at 1800 meters it was nearly 19 I think yeah, yeah. it's pretty high anyway starting to get hard um so yeah that's that's what we've got to say about today I think we're pretty happy and and the team's pretty happy, and yeah, I mean, it's been an awesome four days. And yeah, on to the next one. Well, I mean, it just goes to show how hard that last four kilometres was because as soon as um, the sort of live coverage tuned in, we were thinking, well, Amanda Spratt, like, she's an awesome climber. She had a decent gap, was only 32 seconds down on the GC. And I was really thinking, oh, have they misjudged this? But, I mean, of course, all the teams would have sussed out the climb and had a very good idea how hard that final, I guess, three, three and a half kilometres was. Um, but, yeah, the, the three Dutch riders were in a class of their own. And that's, like I was saying, three quarters of the, the Dutch national team going to the Olympics, which is just blows my mind. Um, yikes. <laughs> yeah, it's it is yikes, and I mean, if, if the Olympics was finishing on a climb like that, it would be hard to look past them, right? Um, I'm just always amazed at SD Works, particularly this year, like you were saying, Abby. I think that they they've just sort of been doing it all, haven't they? They definitely have the best climbing team. They're just so stacked with their climbers. Um, every race they go to. They, they always have so many riders that they can call on that it really is a true strength of that team. And Anna Vannebregen in her last year as professional cyclist is just really going out in style. She's pinging. Like, she's absolutely killing it. I mean, we don't expect anything less from it. But it's what's so great about her, not to wax lyrical and be accused of bias now or anything like that, but... Oh my gosh, we are so far past that at this point. <laughs> well, I don't know, Lauren. Lauren got some. I got some slack on uh, on YouTube thanks to my boyfriend commenting as me. Oh yeah, oh. but that's not fair. He <laughs> <laughs> was like, all he said was Anna Vanderbregen has us in in the bag. Irrespective, like you're allowed to have that opinion. There's nowhere in some sort of unspoken rule book that says that we're not allowed to. <laughs> like favor certain right like certain riders as long as we're not just only talking about them um anyway I digress I was just yeah Anna I think what's great is that she's not I mean she can win on almost every terrain like that climb you would have you would have put her down for it because she's such a great rider but she's not this like tiny climber type that you would expect which is you know we can see that as well because she won on the Hui seven times in a row and it's a similar kind of effort, but you think a really steep climb and you think like a 
really tiny climber with like a really high power to weight ratio and she's just strong which sends a great message doesn't it right exactly exactly lauren and i have talked about when you're a professional cyclist and someone says you look healthy and how it's basically a slap in the face which is Mm. really sick like that's just a thing that uh, yeah part of the the dark side of cycling is the whole power to weight thing but Anna Vanderbreken, she just looks like a like a healthy human. Like she's still tiny, but she looks so good. She looks so smooth on the bike. She just is such an incredible voice for the younger generation generation coming up. And as far as we can tell as supporters, which is, you know, we are seeing her from the same angle as girls growing up and watching the sport and wanting to be her. Yeah, it's just so awesome for the sport that she is the way she is. And and we are a little bit biased because we just think she's great. But I mean, and also we can't forget that she's the, the world TT champ. Mm-hmm. She's She's just incredible at everything. And yeah, maybe she couldn't win in a bunch sprint against, you know, Voss. But still, it's like... Voss isn't even a bunch sprinter. I don't know why I threw Voss out. It was the only name that came to mind. I think it's fair, though, because Voss, when, you know, she was dubbed the GOAT, um, it was the fact that Voss won the Giro. Then she would win a bunch sprint in the Giro. So she'd win a mountain stage and a bunch sprint. She'd win, um, yeah, classics races. She really, she could do everything. Um, The only thing that she wasn't amazing at was she was good, very good was time trialing. So we haven't really had that one rider who literally, I don't think there is any rider that can time trial, sprint and climb essentially as a world champion, right? I don't know. Could be wrong. But, yeah, going back to saying, Abby, sorry. No, it's just that she is a fantastic role model. And I think if you've been in the sport, if you haven't been in the sport, if you're just a fan, the, the, those are the type of the athletes that you want your children, I mean, I'm starting to think about children, to look up to as people that they could aspire to be, you know. And she, she's a nurse. She's done her studies. Um, she's just a very grounded young woman. And I think that's that's really nice to see considering her palmares. And it would be quite easy to get a big head, I think, if you were that gifted. Maybe we're laboring the Anna point for too long now, but... But yeah, no, her composure on the bike as well is, it's so great to watch. And especially juxtaposed with another incredible rider, but one with a very different style, which is Annemiek van Vluten, because you can tell, she doesn't hide if she's suffering or, you know, you can see her like, she's like wrestling with the bike and Anna just looks like she's floating. And she's just, you couldn't, you wouldn't be able to tell if she was in like, the worst pain of her life or if she was just out <laughs> for a Sunday ride like isn't and even after the race like you know she's just like yeah it's great like not in like a kind of she's not like nonchalant and she's not like she's not even sweating she's just yeah she's just so <laughs> chill she's just so composed like it's yeah 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 what a champion it's gonna be sad when she retires those last the last what whatever 600 meters or so or 500 meters when it was just the two of them 
was really fascinating to watch the two different styles because they are two champions like absolutely pinnacle of the sport and and they're just so different and and their personalities are different and their style on the bike is different and the way that they win is different but they're both you know phenomenal climbers that have won the Giro Rosa and have also been TT world champion and have also been road world champion like they're both just incredible riders and and yeah it's it's really fascinating I think one of the reasons that we don't have you know, Anna van der Bregen out there winning sprints is just because of the depth of the field since Voss was so dominant has really changed a lot. We've got so many more talented riders coming in and riders able to step it up with being able to, you know, make a living and, and being on teams that are professional and stuff that back when Voss was so dominant, it was just, there was less to compete with, but now we saw the jersey changed hands every single day of this race. And yes, the time gaps were tied, but still it changed hands every day. Like that, it was awesome to watch. We didn't know who, you know, was going to be in the jersey yesterday. And I thought it was going to be uh, Sile, but no, Neve Fisher Black wore it today. And I mean, I think it just. It was only four days of racing, but it was four days of really exciting racing that I'm amped we got to see. Yeah, it's just, it's like a microcosm of what it would be like to have a proper long tour for the women. You know, it all played out this drama over over four days, which I suppose you could argue the similar way that like shorter stages make for more aggressive and exciting racing. It's shorter, like, well, not just stages, shorter races. And it's not quite the same when it comes to stage race though. Like you can imagine how like enthralling the whole narrative that lasted for like two weeks might be. Um, you know, if the jersey changed hands every day for four days, imagine if that was the case over a week or more. Mm-hmm. Um, let's pretend that there was two more stages of this race. Like, let's just pretend. Van Vluten finished only three seconds behind Anna van der in the GC. So that still would have been a battle going into the next two stages, no matter what it was. And then Demi Vollering's next. So SD Works has the numbers. Claire Koppenberg is a minute down. But the there still would have been a fight for those riders. And and Cecily only a minute four seconds down. Grace Brown a minute seven seconds down. Those two would have fought to gain more time over Vandebregen. Like it would have been a really exciting next two stages if we had it. Like, it, it, the GC on the final day, it, I mean, it's wrapped up because it's the final day, but if we were pretending that there were more days, it would be so far from wrapped up. Mm-hmm. And they would have raced, I assume, the same way they raced today almost. Oh, yeah. If we did, if we did have two more days, um, you know. But uh, I guess that's kind of what we, we could have seen if the Giro Rosa was live, right? Ten days of racing. That race, the times I've raced it has been super exciting where the jersey has changed hands a lot. You know, you've got the team's time trial usually on the first day and then you've got like the various sprint stages. Sometimes um, a rider who just happens to go in the right break ends up in the pink jersey. Um, And I don't know. Yeah, like Amy was saying, it's like a small taste of what it would be like to watch a women's grand tour in a way. 
except a bit longer coverage. <laughs> oh, yes, please. More than 28 <laughs> Not minutes. Not the last 4K. <laughs> More. I loved, um, I loved hearing from, from Neve Fisher-Black yesterday talking about, well, first of all, excellent taste in podcasts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and also just how kind of she was so starstruck almost to be in the leader's jersey and how she was like, oh, I'm going to, I don't know how to like deal with this now. I'm going to ask Anna like how nice for her to have that in the team. You know, she's got a mentor in, in the world champion and how it was so nice to hear from from someone be so excited and, and so new to like this experience. I think, yeah, it was just really interesting to hear from her. And also her roommate, Anna Shackley, deserves a mention today for getting up in that break and doing a really good job for the team there as well. She's also a really good climber. The two of them together were hilarious. Yeah. yeah, should we pivot a little bit and hear from from Heidi? Because very different situations for the two of them. Heidi and Neve really started racing kind of at the same time. But Heidi's coming from the U.S. where the racing is so different. And it's just way harder to kind of break into Europe. Neve has been racing over here with Bigla and is on ST works versus rally. So like a world tour team versus a continental team. So it's, it's really interesting to see the difference between the two of them and, and actually how both of them are both, you know, like just pretty grateful to be at the race and, and be racing. So let's hear from Heidi really quick. Hey, Abby. Um, sorry, we're already driving out to the airport hotel, so it was a quick turnaround. Um, another another wild stage. We all knew it was going to come down to this to this one. Uh, good thing it was so you know so easy. Just spinning the legs all day. Uh, just kidding, obviously. Um, yeah, no, it was another funny day of pretty much every single person in the peloton wanting to be in the breakaway, which meant that every single move that went was immediately chased down because everybody wanted to be in it also. And so it just kept doing this slinky effect pretty much for the first 50, 60 K even. Um, so it was a really, really fast start. And then, uh, and then this huge split went, which had almost, yeah, pretty sure none of the main GC people were in there. Um, but we had Clara Koppenberg in the split, so it was really, really good for us. Um, especially when the split went out to like, you know, minute 20, minute 40 even. Um, it was a really interesting dynamic. Uh, and a few of the teams gambled quite a bit um, because SD Works had pretty much any, you know, everyone in the second split with the rest of us. And... Uh, only I had Anna Shackley, I think, in that front group. And Trek as well kind of gambled um, because no one really took up the chase until after it was already out to a minute. So it was a really interesting um, situation on the road. And, uh, yeah, it was it was strange. I mean, I was glad because I could finally get back to the Peloton and not be s- suffering constantly on the road the whole time. But, um yeah, just super proud of how Clara rode today because 
she freaking bossed it up that climb and um yeah was so proud of her ride what's next on the calendar of course by don't hold your breath (laughs) 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 we got a month until world tour racing resumes for a one day in france so i'm guessing a lot of these top riders considering the olympics is two months out now yeah two months out 10 weeks or something now yeah um we'll be hitting altitude camps probably if i had to get training camps team camps i wonder if anybody who just raced is going immediately today to turingen that would be so fascinating i mean Mm. if your spring uh classic season was pretty slow and you didn't get a lot of starts i would say yes um you'd want to rack up as much racing as possible and there will be a bunch of riders that are in that boat um a few of the americans i guess will be going back to the usa um and some people were having, I guess, yeah, training camps right now. I'm curious to see if there's crossover. In theory, the next like chunk of racing we have is all, I mean, we got the, the Lotto Turingen Ladies Tour coming up on the 25th and then the Tour de, Tour de Suisse that's in the beginning of June. But after that, we do have like a chunk of the national championships. Mm-hmm. Um, in June, which love the national championships, love seeing the jersey change hands or stay or whatever. It's going to be, yeah, going to be awesome. Is the U.S. going ahead? That is the word on the street. Yeah. So potentially we'll no longer see Ruth Winder in the Stars and Stripes, but would not be shocked if, if she does win it again. She, she was going really fun. well when she left to go back to the US. Yeah. Fact Check Corner has just been looking at um, the start list for Turingen, which is very sparse at the moment. However, breaking news, well, to me anyway, uh, Lizzie Dignan is on it for Trek. Mm-hmm. So that would be her first race back for, for a good while. Um, a few a few of the riders that were at this race are on there. Amelie de Derrickson is on the start list for Turingen and she she just did she was uh, there, right? Burgos. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And then we see the return of Yumbo Visma as well, because they weren't at this race, obviously. So they'll be back. Mariana Voss isn't on the the start list, but they've only got five riders on there at the moment. Like top-tier riders that are doing Turingen that are still second best to to the Dutch, really. Like uh, Lisa Brenauer, who had an incredible spring, but was still not able to beat, you know, Voss and... And Van der Bregen, the those like incredible riders. Shanto Vanderbrick Black is on the star list, uh, with Jolene Dehore and Christine Magarus, Amy Peters. So that's a really good team for SD Works. Um, with Lonica Unikin, she was so incredible at the Healthy Aging Tour. So interesting to see how she'll do in Turingen. Yeah, the start list so far isn't official. Um, so we can't yeah. really Ellen Van Dyke's also on there and if that's right then that's her first race back since that covid positive she had after flanders track really track really came out of burgos with nothing they didn't they got Mm. a a third place second place with um with amelie de derrickson 
third place. But yeah, they didn't really have a, a climber to contend on the final stage, and they they kind of missed the the crucial moves that all won the other stages. So that's interesting for them because they've been so dominant in the last you know year year and a half since the team formed really and they weren't anywhere in this race that's I guess partly down to Elisa just didn't seem to have um the legs at this one maybe she's tired from I mean she seems to have had like quite a huge block I know she didn't she came back from a break I'm talking absolute rubbish she said she came back from like a holiday after the classic so yeah I don't know maybe she was just really fresh for that first one and then and then she's dwindled slightly. Although maybe that wasn't a climb for her either. I'll no, yeah, I don't think that that was really a climb for Eliza. I think she's she's not really a pure climber. She's more of like a punchy climber. Mm. When the climbs get really, really long, she doesn't tend to to thrive. But she's still just, she had such an incredible spring. And maybe she, she just peaked a little bit early and she needs to come down in fitness before she builds up again for the Olympics. Because that's 100%. obviously... She was third at the Olympics in in Rio, and so she'll be absolutely just like targeting the Olympic Games in in Tokyo. That'll be a huge goal for her. And same with Lizzie Dagnan. I think she's had quite an interesting spring. She, it definitely hasn't been what she wanted. Um, man, it's so fascinating, like going to the Olympics, and um, you know, the, the three top riders on Trek Segafredo, Ruth, Lizzie, and Aliza, are going to be all battling each other. Which <laughs> is such an interesting... Th- well, I mean, I guess the U.S. team hasn't been announced yet, but we can assume. At some point, we have to address the the controversy of the Olympics, because I think it's... It is like a... It's, inter- it's a thing that I... I grew up watching the Olympics. I'm, I'm sure that, Lauren, like, you have the same grew up watching the Olympics for the sport of it. And the sporting side of it is just so fun to watch. It's so exciting. There's always something on. It's just like this, whatever, two weeks of of just so consumed by sport. But there's this other really dark side of the Olympics, which is the IOC and the money and the what they do to the cities that, that the Olympics go through. And everything going on in japan right now with with the vast majority of the population really don't want it pushing to not have the olympics and with the covid cases rising and only a tiny percentage of the population vaccinated and there is this massive dark side to the olympics that we talk about the olympics all the time so it's important for us to address it well the ioc were very forceful in saying that it was going ahead all along like despite all of the the kind of outcry and the the fact that it I mean it, it's a public health disaster like waiting to happen really like to be honest um not that I'm an epidemiologist or anything but it doesn't take one to really to realize that like an influx of hundreds thousands of of thousands. people from all thousands. over the world is gonna is gonna cause issues and and also like I mean I'll be very are they still talking about vaccinating people before they come because otherwise I mean if there's an outbreak of cases that's like you know so there are 
places that are doing that. And like all the U S athletes will be vaccinated for sure. And I mean, there's, there are some places, but man, it, it won't be all of them. I, no, I don't... It's, it's not mandatory. And you can't expect all the smaller countries as well to, to have their athletes vaccinated. Right. Um, well, that in itself is a, is another issue, like expediating vaccines for, for people in countries where, you know, the people that really need it above athletes aren't getting it and I mean and yeah like you said Abby in Japan itself very few people have been vaccinated so far and the cases are rising and yeah the distraction of the the sporting spectacle is also I mean I'm not saying that this is is sports washing but that's the definition of it really is like having a sweep in something under the carpet whilst distracting people with a nice bit of swimming or whatever I mean the thing is, if they can somehow keep the population separate from this Olympic population, because it's essentially going to be one big bubble in a way. But that, then again, I think Taylor Wiles was saying in an interview she did with um, maybe Vela News that the US cycling team, or is it the whole US team, won't be in the village? Mm. I think it's the cycling team. Yeah. yeah. So that makes you think, oh, if you're going to try and contain this bubble, you would want them all basically staying in the one sort of place, trying to keep them away from the public as much as possible. It's a logistical nightmare and you're going to have, you're always going to have people who don't follow the rules and don't respect um, what will be put in place because basically and from what I've heard from athletes I know that are going is you go in, you get your job done, get out. It's not like before where you went and had a nice look around and enjoyed really the other sports and um, got to know the city that you were visiting. It's It will be a completely different game. The, the sp- there will probably not be buckets of condoms on all of the floors of the <laughs> athlete village. That's a real thing. It is. It is a real thing. I've still got some in my house. Yeah. Well, on that note. Uh, it's such, <laughs> yeah, I guess we didn't have to get into this this episode. We were just talking about, about Burgos. But, yeah, it's um, it's something that, like, every time we talk about the Olympics, it's in the back of my head how how corrupt the system is with the Olympics and how horrible it is for all of the countries it goes through for all of the the locals and everything and it's so unfortunate because it's just like we just want to watch the sports and the athletes just want to compete at the highest level and have this pinnacle of of sport but for it's it's hard to like reckon with kind of mentally another another thing i saw yesterday actually it's very well, it's not, it's not niche, but it's, it's certainly, well, it just shows it's not something that people think about because all of this stuff is, is decided and governed by men. But um, there's a, a marathon runner who's um, nursing her daughter and because of the no foreign spectator policy, she can't take her daughter. And so that's like becoming an issue for, I would say, well, if it's an issue for one athlete, then that's, enough like just a classic example of the ways that it's made difficult for athletes to be mothers as well how incredible is that a real trans 
digression there we've I've gone on but like no but that's actually this is a woman cycling podcast and the fact that a marathon runner is competing in the olympics and still nursing her child wow speak to me in four months and see how I'm doing if I could run (laughs) (laughs) yeah I am gonna speak to you in four months and I will ask you how the running how running a marathon is going (laughs) (laughs) all right well on that like quite uh, sobering note we can end this end this episode we had a really great time talking about the the Vuelta a Burgos loved the racing congratulations to Anna Vandebregen on winning the first women's world tour stage race of the year and we will be back to talk about more women's cycling next week so thanks everybody for listening and thanks thanks for joining me you two always a pleasure we miss our dulcet tones <laughs>